and I hit record. We uh, lost. Oh, there, there she is. <laughs> okay, no, no, I gotta go. Been <laughs> <laughs> there, done that. So we're live on Facebook right now. So it is. Hi, uh, Facebook. Hey, hey, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> it's the well-being panel for December 2020, the last one of the year. Oh my goodness. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> so um, I'm very excited to have you all here with us tonight. So uh, glad you could join us for tonight's panel, answering your well-being questions. Our wonderful business members are eager to help you create your best lives. So why don't I introduce who we have on the panel tonight? Okay, let's start with Trisha. Uh, Trisha has a company called Core Level Healing Therapy. I, and she is a, a certified Canadian counselor and utilizes a holistic approach to counseling through a specific type of therapy called EMDR. She has successfully used EMDR therapy with clients dealing with emotional disturbances caused by challenging past traumas, including childhood abuse, sexual violations, grief, losses, and death, and negative core beliefs. Welcome, Tricia. So glad you could be here. Hi. Thank you so much for having me, Shauna. <laughs> oh, you bet. It's awesome. So next, uh, Daylene has a company called Custom Cleaning Solutions, Solutions Inc. She does residential, commercial, office, and new construction cleaning to suit your needs. Specializing in building relationships with clients built on honesty, good communication, and teamwork. Her clients are busy, family-oriented, working professionals that need help keeping up with the household chores. She does the heavier, deeper cleaning that nobody has time for. Her clients have more time to spend with their families and friends and taking care of their own health and wellness. So that's fantastic. Yay! And Daylene, you've been doing that for a little while now. Four years, yeah. five years, four years? Three years. Three years, wow. Yes. I remember yeah. when you started. Guys so fast. That's crazy. I remember when you started, uh, Daylene used to be in the financial industry as oh. uh, same as me. So she had reached out to me when it was time for a change. And uh, she worked for an accounting firm for a little bit and then branched out and did this business and has been very successful. So awesome. so, so, so proud of her for what she's done. That's very cool. Thanks, Sean. And then we have Alisa, and Alisa is the co-founder of Flourish Sound and Wellness. Alicia specializes in working in subtle yet powerful fields of practice that benefit all aspects of well-being to enhance and complement more mainstream wellness treatments. She refers to her practice as the medicine of stillness, helping to reset the nervous system. Hey, thanks for being here, Alisa. Thank you for having me. <laughs> We're going to start off, the first question we're going to go around and ask, the, ask you all the same one is, what do you do for your personal care? So let's start with Trisha. What do you do for your own personal care? <laughs> um, hmm. So I would probably say, I mean, it's been a tough year for a lot of people. Um, so I think our personal self-care is uh, more important than ever. Um, so for my personal care... Um, I'd probably say I like connection is a really big one. So as much as we can connect with others still, like whether it's um, like for me, for example, like, you know, I have a, uh, a Facebook group 
on messenger that we're always sort of like sending back and forth like funny memes and you know still connecting with people going out for brunch hanging out in nature um so if you can get out in the sun the sun is so important it's so healing nature is so healing um if you can get outside i try to get outside um i think just like you know eating healthy taking care of our uh you know body mind spirit emotions um all looking at sort of a holistic perspective so it's not just about mental health it's about physical health spiritual health so trying to just integrate that um into my daily life so for me i'd say it's still like connecting with friends laughing as much as possible and still having fun um you know trying to exercise <laughs> and eat healthy <laughs> as i said trying right it's um so yeah that's probably for me yeah it's interesting because you're hearing a lot of people because it's such a crazy time this year some people mm-hmm. are getting so much better at that and some yeah. people get so much worse at that yeah as, you know we've all uh yeah embraced this challenge differently hey? Mm-hmm, for sure. Crazy. Yeah, there's... Thank you. Daylene, what do you do for your own personal care? Uh, lately, I find, well, I guess for a while now, but just going for walks and we live across the street from a park with a lot of trails and taking nice. the dog out because he really enjoys it and I get a lot of pleasure and see how much he enjoys it. So we just, we do a lot of walking across the street and um just personally I guess like having a little me time whether it's a nap or a bath or uh, a quick shopping therapy some Mm -hmm. kind I don't know change it up every once in a while but uh yeah it's a little different these days um but yeah even just trying to connect with a friend you know once a a week or every couple weeks whether it's on the phone or having a, a lunch when it's allowed <laughs> that sort of thing yeah that's uh, you both said that connection's huge it sure is mm-hmm. that's some kind of connection and even seeing you guys tonight's awesome i'm so glad you're yeah. here it's great to connect yes. and, and and talk to you guys and stuff and i love walking my dog too it's awesome hey they just had mm-hmm. so much having it's very therapeutic yeah for sure and elisa what do you do to it for your own personal care um, well, I would agree with the ladies that uh, connection with uh, friends and family has been really important um, in whatever way that whatever way that shows up, whether it's been screen time with them or you know in person with you know going up for a drink or a, a brunch or whatever that looks like. Um, so that's that's really important, um, and I. I do yoga nidra for myself twice a day, um, which I really um, find grounds me and helps keep things perspective in, in perspective and and keeps my um, keeps me more responsive as opposed to reactive, <laughs> for sure. Um, and and just the like the we have a beautiful garden and a greenhouse that's heated so you know we spend time out in our backyard or in the greenhouse checking on things and so that connection to nature is a massive part of our life so um and a lot of laughter for sure that is uh most important in in life to have a sense of humor about things so 
absolutely loved. It was huge. Yeah. I loved watching your uh, the growth of your backyard and your garden and all the things you planted and yeah. how everything just did great. So what do you have happening in your greenhouse? Well, so a lot of the plants that we had um, taken into the greenhouse from the garden uh, just to overwinter was kind of a, not a last minute, but we had decided um, to actually do the heating portion. So we have a lot of herbs that are still doing really, really well. Um, we have some ground crops in just the way that we had designed our greenhouse. Um, there's some ground crops, so beets and carrots, some celery that are doing really well. And, uh, and then we've started some indoor plants as well. So uh, basil, um, lettuces, arugula, those kinds of things. And we do microgreens as well. So um, we, we love to be able to grow and know. And Cam is uh, um, my husband. My husband Cameron is a, um, getting his certification in soil microbiology. Yeah. So um, it'll be testing soils and that kind of stuff. So we, we are our own little research and development <laughs> micro farm, if you want to call it that. So lots I of fun stuff. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Very cool. So let's get into the questions. So we'll start with Trisha. Why? Trisha, and I'm, I'm answering, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm asking uh, you questions that I have uh, been sent or have been solicited okay, or cool. found. So the first question for you is, I suffered an unwanted verbal attack at work a few years back mm. that continues to haunt me. What can I do? Hmm. So an unwanted verbal attack at work uh, that continues to haunt you. Um, so I would probably say that this individual is dealing with a trauma. So um, when it comes to when people have traumatic memories, um, not every bad thing that happens to us would, would, would be considered to be psychological trauma. But I consider like rule of thumb that like, if you're thinking about an event, and when you think about it, you get a physiological reaction in your body. That's not just normal emotions such as, you know, anger, sadness, but you can feel it in your body. Um, that's, you know, probably a, a type of trauma that that person has um, experienced. And I guess I would just, you know, say to that person, like, how disturbing is it? And how is it affecting your life? Is it, do you have a negative belief about yourself because of it? Is it, is it preventing you from you know, wanting to work? Are you avoiding, you know, the situation or people, places, things? Are you hypervigilant? Um, and in that, you know, that case, I, I would, you know, we I always do a rating system. It's called like SUDS levels, subjective units of distress. So we always say on a scale of zero to 10, zero being neutral, 10 being the highest disturbance you can imagine, how disturbing does it feel? And our memories should feel like zero or like you know zero to two and if anything that's sort of over that um and that yeah might be a trauma and i would say like if it's affecting your life you know maybe it's time to work through those emotions um a lot of us tend to stuff our emotions down and then you know as a result we get sort of physical ailments or emotional problems or depression anxiety they come out in other ways so um I would say to that person, like, yeah, if it's still bothering this much three years later, maybe it's time to work through some of the 
emotions and feelings that you experienced during that in, in a safe contained environment. Absolutely. So, so yeah. more, you know, I like your scale thing. It really puts things into perspective yeah. whenever we're dealing with some negative feelings or things that kind of, kind of haunt us and hang around. Yeah. yeah, that's great. Thank you so much. Daylene, there is a lot of fear around COVID out there through your business. What have you learned since March to keep our homes safe? Hmm. Um, yeah, there's definitely a lot of fear. And uh, yeah, since COVID, uh, addressing more, I guess, um, more chances of transmitting germs from house to house. So we do a more thorough cleaning of our toolkits and our equipment, especially the touch points um, from where it is. I've learned a bit more about disinfectants and how it's worked. Uh, I'm actually um, observing and, and doing some research on some different equipment out there and that will help to do maybe a more thorough disinfecting and uh, more efficient as well. Um, but yeah, I, I have learned that um, it's a scary time for a lot of different people depending on their health situation or who's in their home. And uh, so we're being very sensitive to that and just making sure that we can uh, take extra time to disinfect our stuff that we take with us because uh, we do go to each home with a lot of equipment and, and cleaning supplies. And then also um, eliminating as much use as we can in between or um, and disinfecting infecting touch points in people's homes. So uh, things like um, handles of all the appliances, cabinets, door handles, light switches, phones, keyboards, things like that. Uh, we definitely do that more than we had before. In someone's home it's they they tend to not need it as much if nobody's you know if just the few same people are in the home but in the office environment there's definitely more traffic so we're having to be a little more uh, thorough in in the commercial side of things as well did that answer your question it did yeah absolutely okay. <laughs> so have you seen have you seen there's been new products created for for house cleaning and stuff because of this um, well, we use a really great product right now. It's organic and it, it is a disinfectant, which is considered commercial grade. So it's, um, it has something called a DIN, which I didn't really know about before. Um, and it's approved to um, fight the virus that uh, causes COVID, uh, COVID-2 or something like that. Um, I don't fully understand all the science behind it, but it's um it's a great product um, but i've just been introduced to a, a similar one which is considered to be more non-toxic even and safe and and actually around different parts of the world they actually use it for things like eye drops and and um, agricultural purposes and things that is completely safe so just trying to uh, learn about what's out there. There's some tools that can apply it in a far more efficient manner than we do right now and actually more environmentally friendly because currently we often disinfect with either paper towel or wipes and the spray 
but we can just use a, a, a broader misting spray instead of using so much white. So yeah, I'm just exploring some different options at the moment and uh, kind of excited about it. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. It's interesting when we go through different challenges that what arises to rise up to help us deal with those. So that's great. For sure. Yeah, because I'm sure you've had customers that have been nervous through this whole thing. Yes, definitely. And and um, we've had to, of course, pause service service for some clients, just being extra, extra nervous. And then um, we've still been able to, yeah, keep busy. <laughs> <laughs> I know you guys are growing. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Alisa, can sound therapy make permanent changes to my moods? Well, that's a loaded question. <laughs> um, so sound, sound therapy is a very uh, powerful and yet subtle form of um, therapy, if, if you'd like to call it that. Um, we, like anything, because it is a subtle art, it needs to be experienced um, ongoing, right? So it's, it's a practice. And it can, for sure, um, help you to... One of the things with sound therapy that's really beautiful is um, it works on our energy channels in our body. So not just our major energy centers, but the nadis as well. So in Chinese medicine, we would think of them like meridians in the body. And what sound is really beautiful at doing is being able to show you where there is um, energy that's potentially slowly processing or isn't, you know, flowing, uh, flowing nice and freely, I should say, as I get tongue-tied. Um, so it's, I don't think that there's a yes or no answer to the question. I think it is one of those things that you, um, you need to experience and um, and when you do have, uh, because every session is unique, because we're always changing and evolving. So my own experience with people um, that have had, say, old injuries, where potentially pain still exists, sound can often remind them that there is still um, sensation happening in those places and spaces that perhaps require um, you know, other kinds of attention. So sound therapy works really beautifully in conjunction with other more mainstream type of therapies. So when we talk about um, sort of the subtle arts that I work in, the subtle energy arts of sound therapy, nidra, um, hypnotherapy, and then uh, energy therapy as well, they are beautifully when combined with things like talk therapy, um, you know, if we're, we're doing, uh, working with a, a counselor, or if you're working with a massage therapist, or you're working with a physiotherapist, um, it works really well to help clear uh, energy and mm. the channels of the body. So um, I would say potentially yes, but there's also needs to be a, an aspect of willingness from the individual as well, from um, like a soul perspective, as well as from a you know, a mental perspective as well. So does that answer your question? Absolutely. That's awesome. I have, I've been lucky enough to hear you play your bowls, which is just mm. amazing. Like it's just transformational for sure. And I've seen a crowd of people just being transformed with uh, the impact it has on, on people, just that, that feeling and stuff. And I'm sure Trisha can appreciate this too, to a certain extent too, with what you do and 
mm-hmm. like therapy and different things too to really right to to kind of connect people to their sources of their pain so they can let it go and and move forward and stuff so that's fantastic so yeah anybody that gets a chance to listen to Elisa we would love to very lucky very very lucky for sure uh Trisha my, yes. my husband continues to belittle me at times and this makes mm. me sad because I love him please mm. help <laughs> um so you're my husband continues to belittle me um but I love him and I you know and I and I think this is an all too common um situation that I think a lot of women get in get themselves into um I do do a lot of work with um individuals in toxic relationships um and I think a big part of um you know for women is is to understand like is understanding that sort of that that toxic dynamic between them and another individual um there's like a toxic dance that i call it right it takes two to tango so there's you know the, the individual who might be the you know abuser or the narcissist um and there's also like you know somebody that's sort of dancing with them at the same time so within, you know, therapy with someone with that, you know, it it would, it would have to sort of allow um, the individual to sort of understand their history, their trauma, um, why they're, you know, maybe attracted to an individual who they um, think loves them, you know, where they sort of got that worldview of, of, this is love and and where that comes from. Um, A lot of our current issues, I think that a lot of people have, um, like, I kind of call it like, I use like an, like iceberg model. So a lot of the things that we see at the surface are sort of our self-defeating behaviors. Um, It could be like toxic relationships, addictions, self-defeating, like um, self-harming, eating too much, gambling, too much sex, you name it. Those are all anger. Those are all the things that we see at the surface. Um, and then when we sort of go deeper down, um, so being in toxic relationships might be sort of a surface pattern up top that we see, but when we start to sort of go down within the layers, we see there's feelings of shame, feelings of guilt, feelings of grief, and it all sort of goes back to sort of our core beliefs and our core wounding that we've had and as children in our family of origin. So I'm really big on um, working sort of through the, I guess, the, the core root. It's the name of my practice, right? Getting to the core root of the issue because of like likelihood, it's like, you know, I, I could see this woman and, and you, I can give her all the reasons why this guy was a jerk and to break up with him and she might do it. But chances are, if she didn't go through her own healing process, she would just meet another guy that would mimic the same type of patterns. She might look different on the surface, but in the end, she might be just repeating the same pattern. So I don't know if I answered, I don't really know if I answered your question, but Absolutely, the, the, yeah. to- the toxic dance. That's very yeah, yeah. Good, uh, term for that and stuff too. I've noticed that with my uh, financial planning cases that I've been getting, mm-hmm. I've a lot of divorce, a lot mm-hmm. of people divorcing. I think with COVID, people having oh yeah, more time together, mm-hmm. has really brought a lot of things to the surface that uh, 
So, it, so it's a good in some ways, I think. <laughs> right? Yeah, uh, yeah. That, they're in that toxic dance and maybe it's good that they're... Uh, yeah. And I mean, I think it's really important that when anyone goes through a, a breakup, a divorce breakup, that... Um, we really sort of like evaluate ourselves um, and we grow from it because like I said, from what I've seen from clients and just reading in my, my own personal perspective, right? Like if we don't learn from our patterns of our role in it, um, the likelihood of possibly sort of repeating the same patterns is, is there's a good chance of it. So it's like, let's have a healthy relationship next time. So let's learn from our mistakes, learn from the other person and, you know, move, move forward in, in a healthy, positive way. That's awesome. Thank you. Yes. And thank you for all the people you help on that journey. It's a, it's a tough one for sure. Daylene, we have allergies and I'm, and I was wondering if there could be things that are in our home triggering them. What should I look out for? Uh, I, I could think of maybe three things, I think, off the top of my head. Uh, dust would be one of them. Um, dust is, is in every, everyone's home, and it's pretty much unavoidable. Um, so regular dusting, high and low, it gets everywhere, um, is definitely helpful. Uh, a lot of our clients have pets, so I don't know if... Um, with, or I'm sure that there's lots of people that have allergies that still have pets, but yeah, cleaning up after the pet hair and thorough vacuuming as much as you can. Um, changing the furnace filters, I think, are really important. Often, I don't think um, everyone knows is, is how often you really should be changing them. I know I forget sometimes myself, but uh, <laughs> I think it's supposed to be like every five or six weeks. That. Oh, well, that's awesome. Yeah, I, I think uh, I, I try for a couple times a year for sure. Um, but yeah, changing the furnace filter, cleaning up after uh, cleaning, vacuuming lots with pets, pets and uh, dusting. I think those would be the, the main things. Um, perhaps using organic products as well in the household and um, I guess a lot of people are into essential oils these days and things like that instead of chemicals could definitely help. Cool. How, how often do you recommend dusting? Yeah. Uh, it, it depends on the house. Like some need it more than others. Um, I, I like to have my house dusted pretty much weekly. Um, it just depends on what areas and, and yeah, um, if you have lots of kids. I live on, uh, we, like, we don't have a paved driveway, so we've got lots of like crushed gravelly sand kind of a driveway. So the dirt makes it in with the boys and the dog. And uh, so we have to dust quite frequently. So I think a weekly is, is not a bad pace, but if you're just a, a couple that are, that occupy the home, they could probably get away with the bi-weekly or a little bit longer maybe. What about vacuuming with animals? <laughs> Probably <laughs> 10 times a day. I yeah definitely like I have a, a supposed to be non-shedding dog he's only eight pounds but I know we've got lots of clients with big like huskies or shepherds and things like that and they tell me like they vacuum daily pretty pretty much or every couple of days. I'm a bit anal with my floors. I and I clean them probably every 
two to three days I vacuum. Sometimes I, I have a, a little Dyson at home that's cordless and I'll pull that out kind of for my in-between vacuums and then give it one solid good vacuum like fully under the couches and everything once a week. Cool. Awesome. Thank you. It's always kind of nice to hear numbers and stuff sometimes too. Like, <laughs> am I doing it too much? Am I doing it too little? So thanks for those uh, rules of thumb yeah. for sure. You bet. Alisa, I am so very sad I can't see my elderly parents this holiday. Do you have any suggestions to make it easier on us and them? Ooh, well, um, so I think it kind of goes back to the connection in whatever way you can create that. So phone calls, uh, if sometimes with depending on how, you know, how well into elderly <laughs> we are can um you know our level of of technology in the house may be different or just the abilities to i mean i i'm in my mid-40s and my kids are way ahead of me on the technological um forefront so i say that with deep respect <laughs> when i say it but um you know things like like zoom like uh facetime for phones um and and really doing things like I would still, I would still connect with, um, particularly around the holiday holiday times, if there are certain traditions that you really um, enjoyed with your your family, um, to continue to do those and share the experiences. Obviously, it's going to look different than it would if you were together. Um, like I know for our own families, we are, and my parents are into their seventies. You know, we'll be doing a, a Zoom um, meeting. It sounds too sterile, but a Zoom connection um, <laughs> while they're eating dinner and we're eating dinner. Um, and, you know, we've kind of met in a neutral place and exchanged the, the gifts. So having an opportunity to connect that way with gift openings. But I would um, I would just make efforts to... to um, connect with family in whatever way is um, easy for each of the parties. I would maintain as much of the tradition as possible, um, share stories with each other. And, and sometimes I think it takes a little bit of reframing the situation as well, because um, having grown up in um, a family where it was just the four of us and our extended family always lived um, in other provinces. Um, those kinds of connections were, uh, of course, phone, phone time and conversations and that kind of stuff where everybody, every auntie and uncle, you know, we had the opportunity to talk to. Um, so instead of, of focusing on the lack, um, reframing how that, is for us this year and reaching out in the best ways possible and and knowing that it will shift uh, at some point again soon so hopefully you know we're all going to find our individual ways that that things work for us too so and nourishing ourselves and that as well kind of going back to that whole aspect of taking care of our own emotional needs um during this time as well because it can be a rough season for a lot of people so I was talking to a guy the other day and he said he was thrilled at 
absolutely thrilled he doesn't have to see his mother I'm not gonna lie I've heard other people say that too they're like whoo it simplifies my life like there's been some of there's definitely been some of that and um but I think when it's all said you know we all have our kooky crazy families right like it's it's um it it may take the pressure off for some people it's so individual right it it's um it may take the pressure off for some people and for some people it might be really really stressful and um supporting yourself in your own mental wellness the best that you possibly can in whatever ways that um as i always say to people you know because meditation is a big portion of um my own practice but what i also teach and meditation doesn't have to be sitting down and um, you know, alming and doing all the things. Meditation can be whatever takes you into a space where you're, you lose track of time, where you're in your zone or your space and you're enjoying something and, and fulfilling something that's like a joy inside of you. So I think that's, that's an important aspect of, of the season as well. Um, so I hope that makes some sense. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, Trisha. I have, yeah. I have trouble stopping my monkey mind and it's, mm. it's repeatedly negative thoughts. I am mm. a pretty happy person, but I don't know why I get caught in the negative mental so cycle. How do I stop? Oh man, the old monkey mind. Um, that is, I think the, you know, number one cause of, um, all of our anguish and, and stuff that, you know, a lot of people are going through and, I would say that there's not a single client or myself, or I'm sure there's people out there that, um, you know, don't get sort of caught up in the monkey mind. Um, but, you know, our, our thoughts that we have really, you know, create our, our reality. Um, I'm a firm believer in that. So, you know, the first step, you know, I would just say is like really like identifying the thoughts. So it's like, like what are like what are these thoughts what are they saying if you can sort of like name them um I like to sort of this is just a technique that that I use for myself but I like to sort of externalize the like the voice in my head like I'll often call her I don't know if I'm allowed to swear on here but I, I like to call her like the bitch inside my head um <laughs> and so I like to like I like to sort of for people to realize like that's not like it's not your negative, it's our own inner critic. So if we can start to externalize, like that's not you, that's not the true essence of you. Like that's an externalized voice. And from a trauma perspective, a lot of times uh, people's inner critics, um, it like it's could be the voice of their abuser or the voice of their a bully, um, a parent. Um, so a lot of times, so it's if we can start to externalize that voice, and so when, when you're hearing these like negative thoughts, it's like stepping back and sort of thinking like, okay, like who, like, where are these thoughts coming from? Like, whose thoughts are they? Like, is this like the voice of myself or is this familiar? Does it sound like, you know, like the criticism of my mother or my boss or, and then when we can start to sort of externalize it, then we can sort of like be able to challenge those beliefs a lot. Um, and so like, I'll even tell people like, you know, at first when you're first sort of starting out, like you might kind of sound, think that you're crazy, but like, you know, just talking to yourself, like in, in your mind and just being like, okay, Trish, like I'll say that to myself, you know, like, you know, 
like what's like you know just having to have to counteract it with with positive self-talk so there's the negative belief and it's like no you're not stupid you know you're just you made a mistake um and so when we can start to identify um our negative beliefs more then we're able to have a more of a positive belief um in its place and then our behaviors change our life changes our relationships change um but again, I don't want people, you know, to blame themselves for, because people are really hard on themselves. That's like the one thing, um, sort of a universal thing with all my clients is people are so hard on themselves. And it's just about like giving yourself a break and being more compassionate with yourself. And um, that's why I really like to sort of external, externalize that voice and, and then to sort of understand that those beliefs are just distortions of reality they're not true i love that externalizing that voice like mm -hmm. wow. gonna get me think thinking going forward and stuff too because i'll be like doo, doo, and then i was like why am i why is this thought coming into my yeah head? but i love yeah. that was it something my mom does it sound like my mom does it sound like yeah work does it sound like my kid or like mm -hmm. what, where is it coming from so i love that that's really good thank you oh, you're welcome <laughs> Aileen, I have. Uh, I was going to ask you the monkey, <laughs> monkey brain one. Uh, do you have, do you have tips to make cleaning easier and better, like keeping floors clean and clean laundry? Oh, okay, floors. Um, I would say the uh, using the cordless. It doesn't have to be Dyson. There's other ones out there, but um, Dyson, the Dyson one is pretty good. I have a really, actually one of the older ones, so it doesn't last as long, but just having that really quick cleanup. I used to sweep my floors. I actually grew up always sweeping until I started the business. Uh, we got backpack vacuums and then I started getting used to using central vacs and, and I actually much enjoy vacuum over sweeping find it quite therapeutic sucking up the dust for some reason but um, I find yeah vacuuming floors is is the best way uh, most efficient uh, you're not like blowing the dust up as you're sweeping it or having to re-sweep existing dirt constantly um, and then having a handheld one for in-betweens or small messes spot cleaning <laughs> that makes things go by a little faster if you don't if you just target like you know your kitchen area where you you're spilling food crumbs and then maybe the front entrance where the dirt comes in the most, that sort of stuff. Um, so what was your second question? Uh, it's laundry and floors. They're asking. Laundry. Laundry. I, I had a tip once and I have to agree with it. Um, someone told me that they would do a load of laundry a day. And because uh, I find I like it's one of my least enjoyed chores. And so I let it pile up and then it piles up and then it's another pile to fold and then another pile to put away but if you just do one load a day i find well i, I pretty much do either seven loads all at once or one load a day so uh, i find that works well cool and are you talking about those stick vacuums the, the stand up like the pole, pole looks like yeah a pole. it's kind of like the old dust busters that like you can like just plug it in and has a little built-in thing onto the wall you can just um have it like hanging and then just pull it out and it charges there with a plug-in and whatnot and then it's cordless 
to go around so you're not having to plug it in and and um, I don't know put it on or pull out the big hose it's just super quick and simple that way I think um, that's for her clean cool that, those backpack vacuums sound fun <laughs> <laughs> you see the guys with the 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 uh, was it the, the blowers the leaf blower? Oh yeah 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 mm -hmm. yeah. The kind of like <laughs> Ghostbusters <No>. or <laughs> something. Yeah, actually, we have we have been using backpack vacuums since I started, and the staff really love them. I am um gonna slowly pull away from them. I just find for some of us, it's it's harder on our backs and stuff. Mm -hmm. So not maybe not the most healthiest for our body so we're we are switching to a very equally uh like functioning vacuum just uh have to get that process going pretty soon but yeah cool thank you <laughs> yeah. alisa uh being cooped up at home with all of our children can be challenging at times I have all of the children. <laughs> Do you have any suggestions to help us grow and connect in different ways? Oh, um, <laughs> well, I mean, we've, we've just been going through this. So um, we've gotten rid of uh, social media. Us as parents have gotten rid of social media on our um, devices. So it's just specifically on our computer. So that frees up our time as parents. Um, it kind of avoids that whole disconnect of sitting in the same room but not paying any attention to each other. <laughs> and um, and then doing deliver like we've, um, you know, we've done things for, and I can only speak for for our own family because we do have a house that flows with six kids, right? So seven kids. Um, but, you know, scheduling some, like some specific time, like, okay, you want to be in your room and do your thing. Great. Um, you know, we're going to schedule some time to do something more specific. So right now it's Christmas time. So it would be like Christmas movies, um, and making sure that that's kind of scheduled in time outdoors so not everybody is feeling like you know caged animals and you know we have mostly boys in our house too. so when I say caged animals I'm not even kidding um, there's, there's like a lot of energy sometimes and then with the dogs and all of the stuff so it's it's really um, we have to be patient with one another we're all like you know and I mean my kids complain about stuff and I can't do this and I can't do that and you know it's like I understand we can't do a lot of those things either, or, you know, it's, this is the way it's, it is collectively for everyone. And so how do we find time to do other things? And, um, you know, I've, uh, I don't know if I can shamelessly plug this, but I actually, I created a pilot program this year for kids, um, and families. And, one of the greatest feedbacks that I had from the families was through this, um, what's now called Calm Kids Resilient Families, was that parents were actually spending the time with their kids learning these tools that are within the, the program. So they were learning them for themselves. 
they were learning them with their kids and they were actually finding that they had a common language of communication that was coming up. So when emotions were coming up, um, they were able to work through them without the reactiveness. There was more patience and more compassion, um, especially in these times, right? It was sort of ended up being like a really well-timed experience for, for families. So, um, and even if it's not a program, something like what I, what I put together, but just something that creates um, even fun time or um, can take off of all of the, the um, kind of perhaps the on top of each other, that feeling that can occur. Um, I don't know if I'm answering your question, Shauna. <laughs> you, you absolutely are. And I love that uh, program that you, I love that because the parents are helping the kids learn it. So they're helping themselves as well. And like the same language, that's, I love that. That's fantastic. It's been, it's been very exciting. And so it was sort of a, an unexpected, <laughs> lovely side um, benefit to the practice enough so that um, I, I changed the name of the program because um, it was, and, and parents were really like, they were having time and relaxing time, right? Not time where there has to be do, do, do. This was relaxing time so that they could just learn how to, you know, at the mind and come into some stillness and often using um, the practices before bed and as well as being able to um, have some practices during the course of, of their week where they were learning um, sort of like mini practices of, of getting out um, emotion or um, techniques to help them relax even more deeply. So there was a lot of stuff that, that they could both adults and the kids could use and understanding like, I need to go do this. Um, and parents could understand or kids could understand when, you know, they, even parents needed a, a bit of a break. So, yeah. I love it. And it's called Calm, Calm Kids? Is that what it's called? Calm, Calm Kids, Resilient Families. I love it. Oh. That's awesome. Yeah. I can see so many families need yeah. it. Yeah. Like, that's huge. Yeah. It's a six-month program, but it's self-paced. And I just um, put it on a, a platform where there's open ongoing enrollment. So they can start at any time and go for six months and each module lasts a month. So they have ample time to be able to, um, to, to take part in the practices of the program. So yeah, it's really exciting. That's phenomenal for this time, what people are going through. I love it. Good for yeah. you. Thank you. Mm -hmm. uh, Trisha, I, I really dread see, talking to or seeing my sister. She feels mm -hmm. like I am not as committed to the family as much as she is. Any tactics to help deal with her? Oh, yeah. And I mean, I think uh, this is the time of year, right, where we are getting probably more triggered by family than, I mean, Christmas holidays tend to bring that out, I think, in a lot of people. Um, we're around family more. Um, but I think in that case, like one of the most important skills, and I think that, you know, this should be taught in elementary school, but it's, it's boundary setting. And so boundaries is like, you know, something that I'll probably work on with all of my clients at some point um but the ability to have um good boundaries with people and um you know in the case of the sister it's you know boundaries sometimes people feel that 
oh, if I have boundaries, maybe people are sort of people pleasers. They're going to feel that it's going to push other people away. You know, like my sister's not going to be one part of my life anymore. My boyfriend, my friends, my parents, whoever, um, when in fact boundaries um, are what actually um, make us closer connections uh, with people. Um, so we're not only respecting other people, but we're also respecting ourselves. So in the case of, you know, that sister, um, I would say like we always, like, we teach people how to treat us. Um, so by setting appropriate boundaries, you're, you're letting that individual know like what behavior you will and will not tolerant, tolerate. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I can't well, remember how, the question. How, how, would you, how would you say that to your sister? Do you feel like she's kind of attacking your stuff? Just you know, um, a boundary here. Don't, don't, you're crossing it or like. Yeah, yeah. So, so I think it's like important to when you are setting a boundary that you, you be really clear and concise and then you um, have to let the, the, the person know like what the consequence is if they don't respect your boundary so a lot of people when they set set boundaries they'll say oh well i set a boundary with the person so they might say you know i really don't appreciate when you you know speak to me in that tone or you raise your voice and that's sort of the first part of a boundary but then the second part and the most important part of the boundary is is to let them know the consequence so it's you know in that case could be you know i really don't appreciate when um, you raise your voice or you call me names. If it happens again, you know, I'm going to leave. I'm going to go home or I'm not going to, you know, or I'm going to hang up the phone. I'm not, or I'm just, and I think it's important too, to make sure. And I, and I think the, the parents here, right. Know that when you set the consequence, it has to be realistic. So don't just say, I'm never going to talk to you again when you, when you know that's not true. Um, so make sure that, that the consequence is realistic. And as well, um, it's up to you to withhold your boundaries. So a lot of times people will say, well, I set these boundaries with people and they keep on disrespecting me. And it's like, well, you know, people are just being people. So, um, you know, and at first you kind of will have to know that like, yeah, people are going to try to push, especially if you've never set boundaries with anyone before. Um, so people are going to, they're not going to like it. They're going to be like, oh, what happened to, you know, Shauna was, I'm used to like getting her to do what I want or manipulate, not, not saying that you're manipulated, but like, you know, I'm able to get what I want from her. And I, I don't like this new uh, version of her. So people are going to have resistance and, um, yeah, it's just important that, you know, you're not the little girl or the little boy that cries wolf, that you uphold your uh, consequence. And like I said, so in the end, people might be disappointed, but it's, it's keeping you safe. It's, it's keeping your, you healthy. It's keeping you from being resentful. It's keeping you from internalizing your feelings and, and be able to communicate openly. So I think it's a really important skill that um, everybody learns and it's, it's, and it's a work in, in progress. So nobody's perfect at it. It takes time. And the, this is the time of year where there's lots yeah. of interaction with family, good, bad, and ugly. Yeah. <laughs> good thoughts. I love it. And thanks for giving us a demonstration or a verbiage that uh, makes sense to you. That's great. Daylene, I struggle with having my kids clean up after themselves. Any suggestions? Hmm. 
I struggle with that too sometimes. Um, find boys in particular um, can make messes really fast. So uh, there, I think that there's um, definitely some motivational things you can do to um, build in a structure of some type of chores. Uh, we have it's, it's a habit and it's something you have to stick to and make sure that uh, it's followed as a parent. I think once it becomes a habit, it, it works. So for us, we started simple and, you know, we have one, one of our kids that cleans up dog poop and then the other one does the recycling and something simple that they can do and then build on that. Um, but cleaning up after themselves, I'm not so sure I've really mastered that yet there's always a mess somewhere in the house and have to chase after them to clean up after them so <laughs> yeah unfortunately I'm not not well practiced in that <laughs> you must have seen some interesting things in the home you've been in with uh, kids rooms and stuff and oh yes yeah kids rooms and playrooms and, and even my own kids rooms I mean they just one minute they're clean and the next they aren't and uh it's just a vicious cycle in our house <laughs> <laughs> have you seen it, any systems that people put in place in their homes that work pretty good for or is it just chaos everywhere well you know what bins tend to help <laughs> um i've seen some some playrooms that have bins and Kind of everything gets has their place so so when it's time to clean up at least they have a place to put it kind of thing we've got bins a bit in our closet but some people like to are probably better organizers than i am and have like multicolored systems shelves with bins and things like that i definitely think that would work or help anyways <laughs> it's tough and it's unbelievable how many toys and stuff kids can collect over the years mm -hmm. it's like a yes. pile a pile I, I remember somebody said uh, uh one year or told me they said when kids stop playing with something they don't like they just kind of put it away and then <laughs> it's wrapped at christmas under the tree again so mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> recycle because there's just so much right the kids get just overwhelmed yes. with the toys and, and things they have to play with. They Some forget they have stuff all the time, for sure. It's crazy. <laughs> Our house is, is a lot of Lego. Um, it's getting better, but yes, they've collected a ton of Lego. And then, yeah, there's little pieces that end up in every nook and cranny somehow. So <laughs> yeah. challenge for everybody, having clean kids and stuff, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Alisa. I try to sit still and meditate, but I really struggle with that. My body feels uncomfortable, and I feel like I'm always having to shift positions, and I never feel comfortable. Is this unusual? Um, no, it's not. <laughs> um, meditation is a practice, and it is, um, if, if we're talking about like a seated kind of a quiet type of meditation, like I said before, um, for me, the definition of meditation can be much broader than the sit still and close your eyes and, you know, focus on your breath or whatever, which is also beautiful and good. And I do teach that, but, um, you know, meditation can also can 
expand outside of that, but specifically to this question, um, it is not unusual for uh, discomfort in a seated meditation to happen. And so um, it's one of the reasons that I really love the practice of yoga nidra, because it is a meditation and it is done typically lying in um, what's called shavasana in yoga, right? So um, resting pose uh, on your back, you know, palms facing up with potentially something underneath the um, underneath your knees to support the back and something soft and blankets. And it's a very cozy, lovely little practice. Um, but that being said, Yoga Nidra, um, so for instance, work I've done with veterans with trauma, um, the some of them just based on injuries can't always lie down. So, um, you know, we've had uh, positions of, of um, veterans that have had their knees up on a chair and they've been resting on the floor. Sometimes they're sitting in a comfortable, um, like a lazy boy style chair. Um, with practice, um, when you begin to understand uh, what meditation can feel like, um, you know, getting into a seated meditation can become a little bit easier. But again, it's, it's a practice thing because there is always an element of having to hold the body when you're in a seated meditation, your, your spine is erect, you're going to be engaging muscles and you're, you know, you're going to be, you know, you're not wanting to slump over or so that there is, there's always going to be a sense of awareness of, of your body. Um, and for those who have practiced for a long time, you know, there can be an opportunity to transcend that physical discomfort. Um, but if, if whoever is asking the question or for anybody else there, oh, out there who is curious about you know seated meditation or doesn't think that they can do it there are other options out there and um, yoga nidra for one is a really uh, great practice because it can be done seated and it can be done lying down and it can really be done in any position in between um, and can take you quite can take you quite deep into that um, those low slow brain waves that we want to access so that's great. Thank you. I think I think everybody's got a preconceived notion of what meditation should be and what it looks like. So it's nice to hear there's variations mm -hmm. that, that work for different people. For so yeah. then they'll, maybe they'll give it another try. <laughs> the yeah, it's, and it's worth it, right? It's it's the benefits of it are extraordinary. So um, yeah, don't give up. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Trisha, how do, how do yes. people find, uh, well, first of all, what services do you offer and how can people find you? Um, so what services? I offer counseling. So I, I'm due online. Um, I'm doing online. Um, and I, we, I've actually found a, a really awesome program as well um, that we can still do EMDR online. Um, normally, I like it's a thing that as long as you can move your eyes back and forth, have a screen big enough, um, we can do that. So that's been great. Um, I also am offering, I still do um, in person as well for people that still like that connection. So as long as I'm still allowed to do it, um, I'll be doing in person. And like I said, for those that prefer online or they don't feel safe or some people, I think we we're talking about this earlier, some people just like it like they're like huh i don't have to like leave my house or take the bus so um my website is uh www.core uh, i should know my own website <laughs> core healing 
therapy.ca. Um, and my email is so Trisha Veltri, so T R I C I A V E L T R I at gmail.com. Or you can just Google core level healing therapy and go to my website and send me a message. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I find that with financial I find with financial planning clients too. It's like, oh, I don't have to go drive downtown, find a parking space to have a meeting. Mm -hmm. awesome. Yeah, yeah. I mean, nice, nice that we have different options we can offer people after all mm -hmm. this craziness and stuff. So, Daylene, what, what kind of services do you offer and how can people find you? Uh, we offer primarily uh, the bulk of our business is residential cleaning. So, uh, like you said in the beginning, we work with families, busy professionals, people that just don't have the time or prefer to do other things on their time off then clean their house. Uh, we also do vacation turnover cleaning. Um, so we have a lot of Airbnb style vacation uh, units that we clean in the spring, summer, fall primarily. And uh, we do post construction and commercial office cleaning as well. So pretty much all of it. And uh, we also do move out, move in and move out or seasonal cleaning. Um, sometimes people prefer to do, uh, you know, 10 or 12 hours of deep cleaning versus a biweekly or a monthly kind of visit. So yeah, and we can be reached uh, through our website, uh, www.customcleaningsolutions.ca. We also have a Facebook page and uh, I have an email, uh, Daylene, so it's my first name, D-A-L-E-E-N, at customcleaningsol.com. That's awesome. Uh, when, when you buy and sell a house in Alberta, the, the person that is buying the house has to go, gets to walk through the house and say, yeah, it's good, tells the lawyer, you know, change the check and stuff like that. I was quite surprised in BC that we didn't have that opportunity. Mm. <laughs> so you don't get a walk through and say it's okay. So when we bought this house, we got in and oh, oh my goodness. It was mm. like, oh, oh, it was like horrific, horrific that they just put no real effort to cleaning it and stuff. And they, we had a shed outside and a oh. Uh, that's like, awful. That awful, is really awful. Awful. So nice to know that. It, so you do do that. <laughs> and those kind of situations. So, wow. Because yes. yeah. I'm still shocked that well, these lets that happen. So many them. people, they love that move out, move in mm -hmm. system because they're so busy packing and unpacking and dealing with everything that goes along with moving. So it's, it's certainly nice to have. So you can move in and just put your stuff away. <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't that be a great realtor gift? <laughs> yes. Yes, it would for sure. <laughs> I actually got gift certificates made up um, that were customized for new homeowners. It says home sweet home. So, um, so if realtors wanted to yeah. buy for their clients. I think that'd be a great idea. That'd be a wild, yeah. wild experience. I'd rather have my house cleaned uh, thoroughly top to bottom than a basket. So. For sure. That's awesome. And Elisa, what, what, what services do you offer and how can people find you? So we have a variety of things. Um, COVID was an interesting experience because there was a, a stop to in-person um, sessions pretty much. So uh, we've developed 
the, um, the Calm Kids Resilient Families program. Uh, I also offer classes on Zoom twice a week. So they're on Tuesdays at one o'clock. Um, people can go onto our website and register for a Tuesday lunch hour yoga nidra, um, which lasts, you know, anywhere from 30 to 40 minutes. Mm-hmm. It just is a little bit of a break for the day. Um, I offer a kids yoga nidra on um, Wednesdays at four in the afternoon. And then, of course, our Calm Kids program. And so all of this information is available on the site. We still do um, private sessions as well. And we have been doing a little more of those uh, recently as well, being able to, we can still have people into, we we have a home-based business and we still can have people here. Um, However, because we do such a a, um, ebb and flow of residents, (laughs) in our house, uh, I go to people. So it's, uh, it's an in-home service and, um, they get an opportunity to experience, uh, sound, um, and, uh, whatever variety of, of things happen in that space, whether it's, um, energy therapy, sound therapy, yoga nidra, um, or the clinical hypnotherapy. It's, a variety of things. So, and our website is uh, flourishsoundandwellness.ca, and um, that'll send you to all the little links that that you need to get in with us. So, yeah, that's awesome. So, uh, hold tight after we say goodbye and stuff. But thank you guys. That was wonderful. I learned lots. You you. You. That was excellent. So, and you guys didn't really know each other. So got a chance yeah. to get to know each other a little bit and stuff. Aren't you yeah. guys? I think you guys are awesome. Yeah. <laughs> thanks, Shauna. Yeah, thanks so much okay. for having us. That's so great. So uh, thanks again, and, and thanks for watching this. And, and I know there's some great tips and stuff. And enjoy. And everybody have a Merry Christmas. Yeah, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. And happy holidays. <laughs>